0: In Mark 6.34 it says when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Today we're serving up a lot of things. Not all of it is very appetizing. This is day eight. Welcome to the Journey Through Mark podcast, where every day we set aside space in our lives to experience God's word. Together, we'll discuss the context and meaning of each passage and how the book of Mark can help us understand more about who God is and the story he's writing for each of us every day. Welcome back to day eight on the Journey Through Mark podcast. We're still here. For now. Gang's all here. (laughs) For now. (laughs) Gang's all here. Hey, Brendan, I have a question. Yep. If you could make one wish, what would it be? One wish? Yep. One like decree and it had to happen just around the world. Uh, I mean, (laughs) you get one thing. What do you want? Don't wish for the end of coronavirus, <laughs> what do I? <laughs> no, no, no. That's a given. That's everybody's number one. Oh,
1: okay. That's, not, that's, that's like number world one. peace. Yeah, that, that's, worldly,
0: that's world peace right now. What's next? <laughs> like for me personally. Yes, for you personally. This is your
2: personal selfish... Oh, man. Well, I want to go back to Europe, but I can't. So... So you've got one decree and you want to go on a trip? <laughs> Open
0: I the travel thing do do I don't know what...
2: <laughs> it's like this is... It's like Aladdin. Aladdin was like one of my favorite movies and it's like... You okay. Got three, and the wishes always get bigger and better because you're like, I don't know what to wish for and then you finally realize, well, I can can wish to be the most powerful genie in the world and then it backfires. And-
1: living wow, space. this
2: is uh, hey <laughs>
0: Melissa, wow, it's hard to Have you hard hard had to one know. wish, like one decree that you could proclaim mm. across the land, woe to be. Oh, wait, you're talking oh. decree. Yeah, I, wait, you're talking I, about like I'm king, not
2: like sure. I wish for sure. one thing. Yeah. Okay, Melissa, you can go no, ahead. No, you anyway, got really
1: excited. Were you? No, no, you I'm got just very philosophical. It? Is what
2: you did. Now I was I know, not expecting that. I understand where you're going now. I thought it was like, what's your one wish
1: that you actually want to be? More wishes. Aladdin. No Prince magic Ollie. involved.
0: No magic involved. <laughs> what do you wish for?
1: I mean, this sounds so cheesy, but I think it's like that everybody had food to eat. Is that like a given? No, it just shows what a kind
0: heart you have. Oh, well, I mean,
1: there's just like so much poverty and so many people that die from not being able to eat. Mm -hmm. And so I think that I wish that everybody had food.
0: Great. Wealth redistribution.
1: Yes. There you go. Get to the voting booth. 2020. (laughs) Get in line.
0: (laughs) Brendan, what about you? Did you figure it out? This has a lot to do with
2: like infrastructure and things like that. I mean, this as much bigger. It's a decree, than, it's not a decree. Happening. Yeah, no, you let's can do name it. it. it no, has to I happen. mean, it, I think to play off Melissa's, I think there's like so many places in the world that don't have access to clean water. How do mm-hmm. you find a way to share that? I think about our healthcare systems mm-hmm. around the world, in America, but around the world. Like, how do you make healthcare affordable for everyone? There's so many people yeah. who just don't have access to some basic things that are available. And like, how can we help people get access to those? You know, mm-hmm.
0: basic medical treatment that would help save a lot of lives. It's honorable. Well, this went to a much deeper place, much more quickly than I expected. <laughs> I you, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was gonna wish to be able to like fly, you know, See, something that, like that. That's yeah. not my point. Is it a wish or is it a decree?
1: I would have. What do you ask for? I for? decree
0: that I'd like a jetpack. A
1: million wishes. <laughs> I want Those my own exist. plane to fly wherever I can go. There you go. After the travel ban is lifted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> water so and jetpacks. Water Food and jetpacks. Jet there you go. Yeah. For everybody. Well, today. There's some weird wishes that happen to kings. There's some different leadership that's happening. It's all a little bit confusing, but let's make some sense out of it. Brendan, why don't you take us through our commentary for today? Day 8, A Tale of Two Kings. A major portion of today's reading tells the
2: story of John the Baptist's death. At first glance, this seems like an odd story to be placed at this point in the book. John had been a major figure early on, but he hadn't been seen in five chapters. What's more, this story is told as a flashback. By this time in Jesus' life, John had already been killed. So why did Mark tell the story of John's death in this part of the book? It seems that Mark placed this story here to draw a contrast with the story that immediately follows it. In the first story, we learn that John was killed by a king known as Herod Antipas. Herod was a power-hungry governor in Galilee, the area where Jesus did most of his ministry. Mark calls him a king, in part for dramatic effect, and in part because this was a title he desperately craved. We learn from extra-biblical sources that Herod had a history of spurning Jewish values and exploiting the poor. And this particular story tells us that Herod stole his brother's wife, asked his stepdaughter to dance in front of his friends, and literally served the head of John the Baptist on a platter at a banquet. In contrast, the story that follows tells of a very different king and banquet. This is the story of Jesus' feeding of the 5,000. The basic details of this story are well known, but we shouldn't miss how much royal symbolism it contains. The story has echoes of Psalm 23, a poem about the divine king. It also tells how Jesus provided bread in the wilderness, a miracle that people expected from the Messiah. Most importantly, Mark says that Jesus had compassion for the crowds because they were like sheep without a shepherd. This was biblical code language for people without a king. In other words, Jesus looked with compassion on the people that Herod had failed to lead, then he showed them the kind of king he would be. This is so relevant for us today. We live in a world where leaders all too often exploit those under their care in their insatiable pursuit of power. Jesus' deeds show us a different way. The kingdom of God is not characterized by oppression, but by compassion. So we should live compassionately too. When we feel hurt by those in power over us, Jesus' actions can be an encouragement. We are seen and loved by a compassionate king.
0: For day 8, we're reading Mark chapter 6, verse 6-44. through 44. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said, He is Elijah. And still others claimed, He is a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, Ask me for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, Whatever you ask, I will give you, up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried into the king with her request. I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them, and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, You give them something to eat. They said to him, That would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked, Go and see. When they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Melissa, can you take us through our questions for day eight?
1: First question. In Mark 6, 8, Jesus instructs his disciples to take nothing with them on their missionary journey. Why do you suppose Jesus instructed this? When in life have you experienced lack or nothingness like this? What did you learn from that season? Second question. Mark six twenty six tells us that Herod was greatly distressed about his stepdaughter's request. He knew what was right in his heart, but he didn't want to look like a coward, so he killed John. This is yet another example of someone who was seeing, but never perceiving. He was like the seed that was choked by the desires for other things. When have you felt similar distress about how others perceive you? How do you find the resolve to stand up for what's right, even when others seem to choose what's wrong?
0: Well, first off, what's all this talk about a divine king? You like referenced in the commentary, like eight verses, and they gave no context. You're just like, I gave eggs. look, I've got got like one page to (laughs) give you all the
2: nuggets. All right, so
0: give me the background. What's this divine king talk? Like, what is all this nonsense? So,
2: this is specifically in reference to the story of the feeding of the 5,000. So, we've got Two major stories. Actually, we have another Mark and sandwich. Oh, you may have noticed mm, mm-hmm. lots of appetizing things I today. Did, exactly. So, but you I have don't
1: like what's in the middle, <laughs> <laughs> it is not appetizing. The meat in the middle
2: is not, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have the story of the sending of the disciples, the story about John the Baptist, and he becomes the food, the meal, the meal, he's <laughs> the
0: substance, and the
2: inside. It mm-hmm. comes back really quickly to the apostles again. It says they came back and reported mm-hmm. Jesus yeah. with did, something yeah. like that, right? And then you get this story about the feeding of the 5,000. And so we could actually start by analyzing that sandwich and like what's going on there. But I think what's more interesting to me is how the major stories, John the Baptist and the story of the feeding of the 5,000 sort of compare Mm -hmm. and contrast. And the story of the feeding of the 5,000, like we know the story well. You've learned it since you were three years old and whatever your version of promised land was, right? Right. So it's a story about how Jesus obviously multiplies food has compassion, but has all these royal illusions. A lot of things in the story that are reminiscent of Psalm 23. Psalm 23, is that famous psalm Mm -hmm. the Lord Yahweh is my shepherd well the word shepherd that's a word that in the ancient Near East referred to kings think of like the famous Babylonian king Hammurabi you remember his law code even just
0: like for the Israeli people like for the Israelites yeah David as a shepherd turned yeah, well, king. Yes. Like- so he's mm-hmm. a shepherd who becomes mm-hmm. a king. Yeah.
2: And there's a reason why they harp on that as part of his background. Is because he becomes the shepherd of Israel. And so when you tell the story of the shepherd of Israel, you talk about his background as a shepherd. Mm-hmm. But this is how people in the ancient Near East and in the Bible especially – talked about kings. And there are lots of allusions to that in this story. Notice, for example, what Jesus does in chapter 6, verse 39. It says, Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on what? Green grass. Here's the other fascinating thing. So it's called a remote place. It's the same word translated as wilderness um, okay. in Mark chapter 1. So this is like a desert place, although it's not really because this is right by the Sea of Galilee. Sounds but lush. It's, that Which <laughs> is why they translated it as remote place or solitary mm. place. But you have these allusions to like this desert place, but There's green grass And if you think about Psalm 23 What does it say? In verse 2 The Lord is my shepherd I lack nothing He makes me lie down In green green pastures pastures. That's just one of Multiple allusions To Psalm 23 Hmm. You also have Allusions to The story about Moses providing manna In -hmm. the wilderness Yeah You have bread from heaven Well here we have Multiplication of bread In the wilderness Jesus is like a new Moses But he actually does things That are greater than Moses And then Last thing I want to point out Is in verse 3 4, it says, when Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. That's a common phrase Mm -hmm. in scripture. to use multiple times to talk about what ancient Israel was like when they lacked either a good king or when they were literally just didn't have a king. They were like sheep without a shepherd. So think about that. They're in Galilee. Who's the king? Kind of the king. He's actually a tetrarch.
0: It's like Herod. Yeah. Herod Antipas.
2: Mm-hmm. This guy who just acts John the Baptist's head. Right. Well, he, looked, he didn't have. He, he didn't. Did he it. just like. <laughs> he, told he, he had his He had his execution. <laughs> right. But he's the client king. He's the ruler. Technically a tetrarch. He actually wanted to be called king. Mm-hmm. He went to Rome, asked Caesar to call him king. He didn't get that title. Caesar
1: said no. <laughs> Mark calls him a king,
2: I think, for irony here. But you have mm-hmm. that guy. And then you have Jesus who has compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They didn't have a good king. Right. It didn't seem like they didn't have anybody caring for their basic needs either. Exactly. He's basically saying it's like you don't have a
0: king. He has compassion and he Mm -hmm. provides for them in a way that Herod Antipas wouldn't have. So is that why we hear about the beheading of John the Baptist? It's just like to show the contrast. Because when I read this, I was like, Oh, this is sort of a metaphor for how the world's leadership sure. would have us see, you know, they're easily swayed by our desires yeah. in mm-hmm. the moment, really frivolous with human life, all of that stuff. Is that why we're hearing about this in the middle, or is there something else to it? There are multiple layers, and I hesitate to ever just you know say this is the one. You meaning. can point with ten fingers. Well, I can <laughs> just be
2: like over here. Right. All these different because yeah. there are different things going on. Just yeah. like I told you in this story, you have all these allusions to Psalm twenty three and X. I mean, you have multiple layers of things going on in the story of John the Baptist. Obviously, Obviously, it's comparing the two showing here how kings rule in mm-hmm. the world. Yeah, and Herod Antipas is a lot like a lot of kings. and Jesus is very different. And I think it's, of course, setting up contrast between Jesus and all types of kings in the world. I also think in some ways it's showing how Jesus and not just Jesus, but the apostles are going to have to experience things like John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. This, this brings us to our sandwiching piece because they're sent out on a mission. Mm-hmm. If you remember the very beginning of the book, what does John the Baptist do? He preaches, repent, the kingdom of God is near, this right. sort of stuff. The <laughs> cat and then he gets put in prison. Mm-hmm. That's chapter one. And this is what happens to him in prison. Well, if you think about the disciples, mm-hmm. they would become apostles one day. And I mean, if Mark is written from Rome in the mid to late 60s AD, this is when Nero is emperor and starts persecuting Christians. Mm-hmm. And two of the most famous Christian leaders that time get killed by Nero, mm-hmm. Paul and Peter. And it's a way of saying this is what it looks like to be a prophet of God. This is what it looks like to be someone who proclaims the kingdom of God. Sometimes right. you may have to go through. Things like this. And we've talked about how John the Baptist prepares the way for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, the story is a lot like what happens to Jesus. Yeah. You have a, another client ruler. Mm-hmm. think of Pontius Pilate. He's a guy who's intrigued by Jesus, doesn't really know what to think about him, but he gives in to the desires of others. Well, yeah.
0: that's what I was interesting for me is this whole thing is like, they go into detail about how much Herod liked John the Baptist. Yeah. Mm-hmm, He's like, interesting mm-hmm. to listen to. He was intrigued by him. Oh, but like, you know, this one thing happened and he beheaded him. Yeah. Right. Like, okay, so what they're saying is it's not even necessarily anybody's desire to kill these people, to kill Peter, to kill Paul, but the world as a whole, is what rejects them. It's not even just one leader. It's Mm -hmm. the masses that- Well, yeah. So it's his people. It's Herod Antipas. He's the one who has
2: authority, Mm -hmm. obviously. He's the one who calls the final shots, but he's giving into the desires of those voices in his ear right. that say do this and that's well, exactly and what Pontius Pilate does to right. Jesus at the end of the book
1: there's the pride there it's like oh I said that I would give this girl anything yes. that she wants Yeah, and now she wants me to kill this guy that I kind of like I kind of respect you know
2: it's that honor and shame and like again we talk about how that was an honor shame culture but we have that in our own world too mm-hmm. like we sure. give in to peer
0: pressure like our own influences no we, not here <laughs> <laughs> really because I have only bought the normal Allotted amount of toilet paper For the next <laughs> month And Everybody you, else. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> you were able to buy toilet paper? Yeah. I bought it like a week ago. Yeah. And I just bought the normal amount right. that I would buy for, for the your month. family. I'm trusting in our logistics that there will be more they'll, they'll in the next couple of weeks. But just in our current time, that is what's interesting to me is there's this level of power versus compassion mm-hmm. and how it plays into leadership. Yeah. Because the masses would have you believe and think one thing about these people, John the Baptist. Peter, Paul, Jesus, they're all persecuted by the masses, and yet you have one person of power who can make the final call, Hmm. and they choose to go with the masses. Right. And what does that say about leadership in our current day and age? So here's my question. How do we live with compassion in a world that really values power, and how do we know when leaders are living in the way that they should be? What are the signs that leaders are living with compassion rather than just going for the power? So what I'd say is I'd start by looking at how Jesus does it. How does Jesus do
2: it in this story? But mm-hmm. look at the whole gospel, Mark, and how does Jesus express leadership? One way we can talk about him is he's a servant king. Mm-hmm. Mark 10, 42 through 45, you have two of his disciples who have a jacked up idea of what the kingdom of God is going to look like. They ask for seats of power when he mm-hmm. comes in his glory. And he says, you're going to have seats with me. You're going to have to drink the cup that I drink, but that's not a cup that you really want to drink. And he says, when the son of man came, he came not to serve, but to be served and mm-hmm. give his life as a ransom for many. So this This is the type of king we have. We have a servant king. And I think for us, because we have our own spheres of influence, there are all sorts of people who have authority in our world. Mm -hmm. I think the way authority should be manifested according to Jesus is through acts of service, through servant leadership. And so what does that look like in our world? Mm -hmm. I think like at work, it looks like empowering your employees if you have authority over them. Mm -hmm. You know, I heard a story just this last week about this guy. He makes a million dollars a year, Mm -hmm. works for a company, decided he wanted to raise the wages of his employees to $70,000 a year. The company didn't have the revenue to do this. So, So he decided he was going to cut his salary for the next few years to $70,000 so he could actually raise their salary. And this may just be a temporary thing. He may not do this forever, Right. but it's a decision he made because he knew this was in the best interest of his employees. Mm -hmm. And it's like doing radical things like that. I mean, that's the type of king Jesus was. And so if we're going to live as Christians, as members of the kingdom of God in this world, that's how we should exercise leadership as well.
1: I think it's always easy to say that in order to be a servant, we look. To Christ and see how he served others. And just over these past few days, we've talked about how he eats with tax collectors and sinners, and he sits with people that are not like him. And not only does he sit with them, but he serves them. Yeah. And I think, Brennan, you hit it right on the head that in order to have compassion for people, we have to get with them. We have to be you really you know, good. We can't be where know they what are. they need yeah. if
0: we're not with them right. at all.
2: Yeah. And so you look at these two stories, mm-hmm. who is Herod Antipas? eating with. Leaders. The
1: people in, yeah, I mean,
2: yeah, military the leaders, their yeah. generals, yeah. Says in verse 21, on his birthday he gave a banquet for his high officials, military commanders, and the leading men of Galilee. Who is Jesus eating with? It's not these types of people. He's eating with right. the hungry, the poor, the destitute. He's those going who are, into the villages. Yeah, and, he's going yeah. into the villages, and they're mm-hmm. drawn to him, they come to him, and those are the types of people he's with.
0: Well, and that's another sign of a good leader, a good shepherd, we talked about this earlier. Jesus is the shepherd, because that's how they viewed kings, mm-hmm. as like shepherding people. So that's another sign of good leadership is when you care about and see the needs of others Mm -hmm. and you have compassion on them, like it says in this, and you act. Compassion is not the desire to just wish the best for somebody. You actually have the power to take action and you do it, right? You know, we can look at this on a high level, even around the world and government, whatever. But even this comes down to us today. Mm -hmm. We can look around and even right now with all this virus stuff going on and we can see what everybody else is doing Mm -hmm. and we can buy into that chaos. Mm -hmm. We can buy into the peer pressure of what everybody else is doing. Well, if they think that they need that, then I probably do too. I need to act in the self-interest of me and my family. Right. right? But we have an opportunity right now to show this sort of leadership, Mm -hmm. to rise above what everybody else is asking for or doing, Mm -hmm. what the world says that we need and start looking out for other people. And this is when we will show people that we have a better example of what leadership is Mm -hmm. in our world, right?
2: Yeah, I think it's you hear the stories about people who are providing for the needs of those who are getting laid off. Or think of simple sacrifices companies right. are making, where, like, they talk about how the first hour of the day, mm-hmm. a lot of these stores, they're just opening up their stores for people who are elderly or who have compromised immune systems. I don't know how they're going to enforce that, but, right. like, that's a decision we all have to make together mm-hmm. to make sure we can take care of those who are in need. And there's an opportunity here. I mean, this is a really scary situation. And again, we can act out of our self interest. We mm-hmm. can also embrace the opportunity to show Christ to a world that is really struggling with fear right now when I think
0: it's an opportunity to be seen differently it's very scary to go up to somebody and talk cold about what we believe even in in the press Christians have gotten somewhat of a bad rap right right? (laughs) but the values that we really live by based on biblical principles are actually incredibly great for everybody Right. if we all lived like this our world would look radically different they'd look similar to actually your guys' two wishes from the very beginning (laughs) for the world
1: it's that idea of just loving God and loving others yeah and how are we serving them through loving them. I heard this story this week. It's kind of cool because you're hearing all these crazy stories, but then I think you're hearing these stories of like acts of kindness and things that companies are doing, like you said, to provide for their people. And I heard this story of, I think it was a woman or somebody that printed out these cards and went through the apartment complex and just like slid them under the doors. And basically, it was just asking basic information like Mm. age, health, you know, do you need anything? And if you do, just slide it back under the door. And so it's just kind of this idea of checking on your neighbors, seeing what the need is, and then saying, hey, I have plenty. Let me help you. Like, Let me give to you. Even though we're not in physical contact with everybody, I think it's just a way, how can we think outside of the norm and serve people in a way that is showing compassion to them?
0: I mean, you touched on in that story being aware of your surroundings who's involved in the players who Mm -hmm. doesn't have what they need right that's a key part you asked this question when in life have you experienced lack or nothingness like this Mm. and what did you learn from the season yeah like for me i've been to you know five continents a lot of rural areas Mm -hmm. i've seen a lot of different types of poverty but every time i go back to haiti it's striking Mm -hmm. how just difficult it is to live there Mm -hmm. and i mean there's a lot of places around the world that feel similar ways, but there's something intangible when you go to walk in some of these places and the realization of what people's day-to-day is like and the reality of what it's like to live on, you know, what is five cents a day for us and how difficult that really is. It's really striking and it does make you want to sort of root out the injustice of the world that brings Mm -hmm. about that sort of difficulty.
1: Yeah, but then... Like you, I've been on a lot of serving trips and just been able to be in a lot of places in the world that do struggle with those things. And the wild thing that I see more than anything is that they have so much joy and they are willing to give just the last of even what they have. You know, they want to serve you with the best. And then I come back home and I'm like, wow, what could I actually scale back on? Like, what do I not need that I'm just like filling my life with that would give me more joy and allow me to love others in the way that I would see these people in these communities.
0: Well, and that's the thing. This is our mark and sandwich. I get to start my story, and then you. Oh yeah, do the middle part, yeah. and then I'll. I'm do. glad my middle part <laughs> was just do the bottom bun. We're like, learning. learning. <laughs> I love it, but I didn't
1: behead anyone. <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, but that's the thing about going to these places: is mm-hmm. their life is so straightforward, mm-hmm. so black and white. We complicate things so well in this country, partly by nature, but also just by how much noise there is around us. Mm. And that's the interesting opportunity right now, too, is if we're all working from home, Mm -hmm. nobody's in school, we're not allowed to go out. There's a lot less complexity in our daily commutes, our daily life. Right. So we have an opportunity to embrace what a lot of the world deals with every day, which is... How do we look around in our community and help each other? Mm
1: -hmm. How do we
0: stop trying to manage the chaos of our lives Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: focus on our community and how to help each other? That's what Jesus did. That was his clear calling while he was on earth. So how can we do that better? Thanks for joining us for the Journey Through Mark podcast. If this is your first time, we're so glad you checked us out. To check out even more resources, children and family resources, and the ebooks for all ages, visit our journey page at willowjourney.org. And share your journey experience on social media with the hashtag willowjourney. If you have questions or would like to learn more about the ministries of Willow Creek Community Church, check out willowcreek.org. We'll see you tomorrow.